The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. All these women want to go to the prison because he's the gorgeous man. He's the Fabio. Right. He's the everything that women want to throw themselves at. Fabio? Really? I, I'm trying to think of romance cover shirt ripper like <laughs> type the yeah that's that's the way he is i'm just thinking you're like 30 years too late welcome everybody welcome to the legendarium podcast i am your host craig hanks and over there well much like kip he makes a great protagonist since he's chubby awkward and desperate for love it's ryan bruckman (laughs) I can't say what I want to say yet because I think it would reveal something. But I want to be a turtle bear. Is that a is that a lightbringer thing? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, then I have no idea what you're talking about. But that is what we're talking about today. It's the Black Prism. This is Lightbringer episode one. You've all been waiting a long time for this, and it's finally here. This is going to be a different episode than normal since it is just the two of us, and this could be the norm for the Lightbringer series. And so. If you remember all the way back from our Lord of the Rings days, you may uh, really appreciate this dynamic. I think it's really good, Ryan. It's it's the foundation upon which this was all built. So that's true. It could be another shoddy foundation laid <laughs> somewhere. Uh, uh, okay, so before we get to all that stuff, I do want to uh, just remind people: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those are all viable. But we really want you to join the conversation on Reddit. The legendarium.reddit.com is where you can go do that. If you would like to join our Discord server, you can shoot an email to me or something. I can send you a link. I think it's pinned on our Twitter account, honestly. Uh, So you can join our Discord server. And I also want to ask people to... What's what's the word? Review the show on iTunes. Oh, yes. Um, send in your starred reviews and definitely write in reviews as well. We've gotten a few good ones recently, but we've got to drown out the people who only listened to the first Farseer episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ryan and I were just talking about that. It's it's remarkable if you look at the, the two and three star reviews, how many of them are just people who listened to that one episode that, you know, where we didn't gush all over a book in fact we didn't it was a bad first date it yeah was a exactly bad first date. there you go that's a good way to put it anyway so we need you to help us counteract that because it really does matter for helping people find the show on itunes and elsewhere those itunes reviews actually do make a difference um also one last bit of housekeeping you know if if you're sick of this you can go ahead and and uh you hit that plus 30 on your podcatcher that's fine it's there for a reason exactly Skip ads. Uh, no but patreon i want to talk about patreon just a little bit i often skim right over this and and encourage people to support the show at patreon.com slash legendarium uh, and i do want to do that but i want to just mention that this weekend i'm booking the hotel rooms for our jordan con excursion next year so jordan con 2020 uh we're getting ready to book that we would not be able to do that without patreon there's just no way. We're we, too poor. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> we're look. Despite this, the sounds of luxury that come from our throats. Exactly. Yeah. Despite the suave sounds of Ryan Bruckman. Mm-hmm. No, that that is not exactly what you would call bankable. <laughs> somehow, uh, no. And so to do stuff like that, to get out and meet you guys, uh, to to uh, do fun events like that, 
Uh, that's what Patreon is for. We wouldn't be able to do that without you. And we want to do more. Uh, so right now we're sitting at 84 patrons uh, and we are grateful for every last one of them. But the goal right now is to get to 100. Uh, that's kind of my short-term goal. If we were to do that, basically what I want to do is up it to the possibility of two excursions a year. Uh, so we did Jordan Con in here in 2019 and we want to do it again next year. We're going to do it again next year. Uh, but we want to do something a little more, maybe find a fall convention that we can uh, attend as well in a different part of the country so that we have a chance to meet more of you. We can do a Patreon to bring the Legendarium to your town and a Patreon to keep us away from your town, whichever <laughs> you donate to whichever one you want. Oh, that might, you know, it might be fun. Remember when we did a, a dollar per vote to decide what we read next? Mm -hmm. uh, that might be fun to uh, decide where we go and just kind of do a donation drive That'd to... Cool to get us on the road that'd be that'd be fun anyway so patreon.com slash legendarium uh like i said we really appreciate everybody who has done so but if you've been enjoying the legendarium for a while uh and you haven't yet pulled the trigger on that we would greatly appreciate having you there on patreon and ryan and i have been talking about more ways to get uh a little more involved in making patreon a, a fun and interesting and unique place to be where you're getting content that you're not getting elsewhere so uh was that exhausting? Yes. Was that so? Was that just too much? House, it's housekeeping always is. I know. Okay, Lightbringer. Okay, look. Here's the thing. Today we're covering chapters one through fifty. Uh, this and this is out of ninety-five for the whole book. And so we are about halfway through the book. Uh, I should say I am halfway through the book. Ryan, you've read this previously. This is my third reread. Third. That's amazing. Didn't you read it for the first time earlier this year? Uh, was it late last year? I think it was late last year. My gosh. Yeah. That's uh, so. I think it's safe to say that you like these books. It is a very safe assessment. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Lightbringer series. It's actually, I mean, we've already done Night Angel, and I really enjoyed Grand uh, Weeks Night Angel. I read them in the order of Lightbringer and then Night Angel. Oh, did you? Yes. Okay. I, I thought you went the other way. No, I read Lightbringer first and then Night Angel. That's interesting. I wonder, and this is a digression, I guess, already from Lightbringer, but I wonder if I would have enjoyed Night Angel more if I had read gone Lightbringer that order. Already? Yeah, because Night Angel, I don't have a huge, any, any huge problem with Night Angel. It just didn't quite land for me. And mm -hmm. I wonder if it's, because you know in your case you read lightbringer first and so it's like oh my gosh brent weeks is on fire mm -hmm. and then you go and read night angel and you're like yep this is that guy that's on fire and he's writing another book and I, or i'm reading another book of his and that's great i feel about it very similar to the way that i feel um when i started with brandon sanderson reading mistborn and, uh -huh. and things like that first uh and then coming back to elantris I would not enjoy, I didn't really enjoy, I wouldn't have enjoyed Elantris my uh -huh, first read through uh -huh. had I not already known Brandon Sanderson. Gotcha. It's, it's a great book, everything. I, I have the same feelings that you have there, but I, I would not have enjoyed it as much not it just, knowing. It didn't stick that landing for you. Yeah, right? the, the way, without knowing Brandon Sanderson as an author right. before. And I think that Brent Weeks is, a, is, as a whole, and if we have other panelists on later, or whatever, they might be able to speak similarly if they've read both. Uh -huh. But I, I feel like seeing the, the author as much, as improved as he is in Lightbringer, I feel that he is. Um, going back to Night Angel, it's like, okay, I can forgive a little bit of those things. Right. So, yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Anyway, so Lightbringer, like I said, I have read up through chapter 50. And the reason that it's just me and Ryan here is because we're trying to be really nimble with this series of podcasts. And so I texted Ryan earlier today and said, hey, you know, I, I just read chapter 50. This event just happened. It seems like it might be you know, around a good halfway point. 
uh, maybe we should think about recording an episode. And now that Ryan lives in the same town as me, you're not an hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, eh, let's make one tonight. Okay. And so here we are. <laughs> and, and I think that's going to be a lot of how this Lightbringer podcast series is going to go, uh, where we're just kind of something exciting will happen. Craig will be like, dude, and he'll be like, okay, I'm on my way over. And we'll just sit down in front of the microphones and be like, okay, let's work through this yeah. together. Okay. That sounds better than dude. <laughs> like we're 33 years old, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I still yeah. rely on the dude. Oh, I, I do a lot of, I, lo- I do a lot of dude. I, <laughs> I wouldn't use the phrase. I do a lot of dudes now. So I didn't say dudes. Come on. All right. Well, anyway. so much, so much for our adulting here. Uh, okay. So, uh, I, I so I will say this chapters one through fifty for the love of all that you hold dear. Spoiler alert: If you haven't read these books, uh, you know you might be saying to yourself, "Oh well, you know I like the Legendarium anyway. I just I kind of want to listen. I don't really care. I don't care about spoilers. Yeah, no, you really should just care. Yeah, somebody actually brought this up. I was doing a YouTube live uh, live stream last night. And somebody said, yeah, I, what do you recommend if I just don't really care about spoilers? Uh, and I said, okay, well, step one, care. <laughs> find a way. Find a it's, way. Because it, this book has one of the best early story uh, twists that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best. Uh, we'll <laughs> okay. get there in just a second. So anyway, I just want to say that spoiler alert, we are going to spoil the first half of this book, uh, which you may not think is a big deal, but in this case is. Um, and so I'll go ahead and, and recap a little bit. Um, Kip. Uh, Kip is the unassuming backwater child of the local drug addict, but it turns out he's also the bastard son of Gavin Guile, the prism, the most powerful man in the world, certainly politically and probably magically as well. So when the local uh, warlord or king or whatever burns down the village and everyone in it, Kip is saved by Gavin and whisked away to the Chromeria, where he will learn how to use his color magic, whatever that is. Uh, Gavin, with whom we also spend a lot of time in this book, holds the title of Prism, which he took back from his false Prism usurper brother, Dazen. But instead of killing Dazen, Gavin is holding Dazen prisoner deep beneath the Chromaria. But wait, not all is as it seems, and Kip will soon have to deal not only with the death of everyone he knew, but his betrayal at the hands of pretty much everyone he now knows. Dun, dun, dun. At least that's where I see it going. So, okay. That's that. So that's about where we're at. Like I said, spoilers. This is your last warning. Turn back now. The greatest early story switcheroo or twist or whatever that I've ever seen is that Gavin is Dazen, mm-hmm. and so we find out that uh, we get a chapter with the brother Dazen in the prison cell. And it gets so confusing, even as you're reading it. It's very confusing. Because so, he never changes calling. Right, right, right. He kind of yeah. does sometimes, but then it's not consistent. Anyway, so Dazen, the defeated brother, is in a prison cell. And it's this special prison cell that is meant to hold just him. Uh, and he's been in there for 15 years. And he's going crazy. And Gavin... Um, has kept him locked up because he couldn't bring himself to kill the traitorous brother. But then it turns out that he is the traitorous brother and he stole his life and uh, made himself to look and act and seem just like that brother. So he is the usurper. And so when he goes and picks up Kip, he isn't actually Kip's father. Mm -hmm. 
he is Kip's uncle. And which also plays into uh, his relationship with Caris White Oak. Caris White Oak. Caris White Oak. It's in the audiobook. He says it always sounds like he's saying Caddis. So before, oh. for the longest time, it was <laughs> right, right. But uh, she has this note that she's been sent on this mission, whatever, about uh, Gavin's indiscretion while they were engaged. Right. Yeah, ha- fathering this son. Um, and so when Gavin, in air quotes, Dazen here, um, turns to her and says, uh, "Everything you read, it's not true." Oh, right. It, where it is true as far as she is concerned yeah it's 100 percent true in the sense that gavin like but he's able to say i swear it's not true uh-huh um so yeah he during the war 15 years ago when he fought his brother uh he he was indiscreet with a young lady from this town this backwater town lena lena thank you and a son was produced and and whatnot and so yeah, so he's able to say, I swear, it's not true. But at the same time, he takes Kip under his wing. And it's, I'm, I gotta say, I know that I'm kind of dwelling on this, but this is one of the best, not only twists, but it's it it acts as both a twist and a great setup because it's creating this situation where you don't understand what fake Gavin's motivation is what he's trying to do with Kip, what he's going to do with Kip. You just know it, it's kind of like that. Uh, what's the difference between horror and dread, right? This is dread. Mm-hmm. You know that something is coming, but you can't stop it and you can't predict it. Uh, I am loving this twist so much. It's a, it sets up so many potential conflict points that don't easily resolve at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's great. I, I remember my first read through on it, totally being blindsided by this and going, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's, so. I know, and this, this is the part where we, a uh, 15 year old boy out and just say, that was so awesome. <laughs> um, not even before that. So that happens, what, a quarter of the way into the book or so. Uh, even before that, I was enjoying this quite a bit more than Night Angel, um, for reasons that I may want to dis- dissect as we go through future episodes, I'm not entirely sure now. I have a few thoughts, but anyway, but I've been enjoying it already a lot more. Uh, the magic system is interesting, um, and the characters are great. And so, yeah, I'm getting into this story more. And then when that happened, this was similar to what happened with me in The Way of Kings. Mm-hmm. I won't describe the scene for fear of spoilers if, if people haven't read that, but precisely 51% through the the Kindle edition of the book there's a scene that that just cemented that I was I was in mm-hmm. I, before that it's like yeah this is cool it's interesting whatever holy crap that's amazing and now I must keep reading until the end there there is no going back mm-hmm. and so that happened a little bit earlier in this book with the reveal of Gavin and Dazen so yeah awesome what was was it it sounds like it was that moment for you as well on your first read. That's not the moment that hooked me uh, going forward. That was, I think that was definitely one of the more standout moments for me on my first read through. Um, and it, I, I will tell you, even though it's early in this, early in the book, subsequent rereads, even that first little bit of Black Prism, knowing that ahead of time going into it, it's like, yeah, oh man, like it, oh, I can it, imagine it, it, it opens it, opens your eyes a little bit. This is one of the the part of the reason why I'm on my third reread here is because every time you read through and you have another perspective to go back and you know have a new book to add on, 
I think it it's it's well worth the reread. Yeah. Um, I I was pretty hooked from this book on this book really early, um, and a lot of it I think had to do with the magic system, uh, the fact that it was color based, um, and I don't know why that stands out to me so much, but I've really it's part of the reason Warbreaker is outs- one of my favorite of the Cosmere stories. Uh, just that color-based magic system. Like, I love it. Um, well, it creates a very uh, a very visual kind of... We, we talk about cinematic writing, you know, and it does that. It, it If we go back to... Gosh, there's going to be... I'm sorry. Fair warning. Tons of Brandon Sanderson comparisons. It's just going to happen because... Mm-hmm. This is very similar to something that Sanderson would write. There are worse things you could be compared in. Uh, I would, I would say so. But, but I want to bring up Mistborn because, and we might bring it up for other reasons as well. But part of the reason that Mistborn is so, uh, so interesting and so loved by so many people is the setting, which is easily felt through its color. Everything is gray when the ash falls. Right, everything is kind of washed out and depressing uh, and you feel that in the way that he describes the color in those books and this is very similar but it kind of in the opposite direction where everything is incredibly bright did you ever see hero it was this jet lee movie yeah the jet lee film mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, first of all i love it it's amazing and if you haven't seen it it is a masterpiece of chinese cinema as far as i'm concerned <laughs> but it's with just, our depth of knowledge of it yeah exactly um but uh, Hero is this great, uh, what I think is a great uh, kung fu movie. And in it, there are four, I want to say four sections of the movie as he's telling this story in Hero. And so there's a blue section. And you think, oh, okay, so there'll be some blue things. No, everything is blue. All the clothes are blue. The weapons are blue. The sky is ultra blue. The stones are, everything is blue. And then it goes on to yellow. And all these leaves are swirling around very yellow. Everything is yellow. And kind of moves through the the movie that way. That's what this feels like to me. Mm-hmm. Is uh, all of these, uh, what what do they call them? The, the super chromats and the wait, what do you call them? The people who can do the magic. The uh, lux, not luxiats. That's the priests. <laughs> oh um, no, I haven't even gotten there yet. Uh, Cro- oh gosh, dashers or prancers or <laughs> vixens or something. I'll pull. I'll look it up really quick because it's <laughs> that's that's really embarrassing now that I've blocked that out. Dra- drafters, drafters. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so dra- drafters. Let's definitely mark that moment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the moment when we finally embarrassed ourselves so much that we hung up our legendarium hats forever. <laughs> so the drafters. Yeah. What was I even saying? Does it matter? Oh, yeah. With all these drafters, they all they each draft one of is it seven colors. Along yeah. the spectrum, there well, um, at least one of seven colors along the spectrum. Yeah, um, and I, I, I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong. I'm not. I guess I should seven apologize. Seven seven colors. Yes, and so you've got. And let me see if I can name them halfway through the book. You've got yellow, blue, green, red. Uh, what was it with the what's the deep red, super red, ultra red, something sub red, sub red. Thank you. Uh, and then ultraviolet, that's six. What am I missing? Red, blue, red, green, blue, yellow. Riveting radio people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, doesn't matter. 
somebody will correct us on Reddit. I, and that's I, what I know others, for. but I can't. I don't want to say anything. Daggone it. Uh, well, there's been an indication that there's a potential white dagger that's made out of white Luxon, and that's mm-hmm. impossible, but it's not impossible because it's there, and so we'll see. Um, anyway, and this is called the Black Prism, which kind of indicates that there's going to be something going on uh, with that color later. And so, yeah, there's all this stuff. Where were we with all this? Oh, yeah, it's just, I, I guess the point of all this is that it is uh, it is a very colorful book as mm-hmm. you're reading it, and that makes it easy for a visual reader to get sucked in really quickly. Well, and the other, and one of the nice things is, too, that there is a an inherent built-in cost to the magic system. Um, not all magic systems do that. Harry Potter isn't going to run out of magic anytime soon. Mm. Uh, all these drafters it, have a timeline that they are able to draft in because uh, at a certain point, if you draft so much or do so much, you they break the halo. And which we haven't gotten to yet, but it's it's kind of explained without being named. As at like, this you, point. you should have seen some examples of whites and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah. already. So. Um, there, there's a cost to this magic system as well. So even as our characters, you know, as Kip and everyone else is, is using this, you've got to realize that there is a finite, this is a finite resource for them. Not only do they have to draft it in, uh, by bringing it into their bodies through seeing the color, uh, they, if they use too much of it, eventually they will supposedly die. Right. Or go crazy or whatever it is. Or something. Yeah. And so... Gavin or fake Gavin or whatever. Oh gosh, the, pris- we'll, the prism we'll is, speci- is special because he's the only person who isn't uh, locked into that issue. He can draft all the colors and as much as he wants, and as much as he wants without the co- without having to pay that price. Of, uh, but of- but he does have a ticking clock in that for some reason that has not yet been explained. A About prism seven years a, a prism lasts for seven years from the time of what ascension to the prism pretty much uh to whatever seven years until they die it's or multiples, multiples of, seven. of seven yeah and so seven some last 14 and only a few have lasted 21 and he's on year 15 and so he's only got a few years left to live and he knows that right so he's got that and because of that he's also got his uh seven i think uh seven major goals or seven oh yeah yeah seven purposes, purposes. for seven years yeah yeah uh so at, at this point it's five more purposes for five more years but we don't know what those are he hasn't right. stated those uh which is kind of frustrating honestly at this point like I, look i gotta know what these there's, are there's a handful of things if that, you want me to care that brent weeks does where he introduces <laughs> this concept and says it's here but i'm not telling you more right now uh, and so yeah. it can be frustrating um <laughs> i I, if you asked me right now, what are the seven purposes? I could not tell you all of them because oh, I, really? not only, I mean, I he's revealed them, at least some of them. I can't remember if they've all yeah, been yeah. revealed. I think all but one maybe has been revealed, but I I can't remember his purposes just off the top of my head. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I guess they're not that important then. They are. Okay. But I can't. You're just dumb. <laughs> yes, I'm just dumb. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. Uh, okay. So maybe i should kick it over to you what what from the beginning of this book um what else do we want to talk about do you want to talk about his mother his relationship with his mother and that sort of thing well let's start with kip okay yeah as as our main character protagonist i mean yeah okay that's a better place to start we because we follow it similar veins as other stories Uh, we have kind of we follow gavin we follow kip as kind of our our main points of Mm -hmm. view in this with a few 
few characters. digressions. Yeah, a few other characters that we pop into here and there. Um, but Kip is slightly different in that he is, while yes, he is the backwards farm boy bastard child, um, he's also really bad at everything. Right. <laughs> he's he's big. Uh, he calls himself fat and just he's not what your typical hero character like, I, that's not what you when you visualize this you look at this and you go oh it's um the chunky kid from goonies <laughs> right like, that's you know <laughs> truffle shuffle yeah that this is our hero someone a little right. bit older than that but that's that's i mean i chose my words at the top carefully uh chubby awkward and desperate for love yes that's kip yes right um and that's a not that every character comes in as like this handsome charming you know, can do everything character. Uh, but this is a slightly different starting point than we generally get to just in terms of this character is not physically really capable of going on an adventure right. and succeeding. It's incredibly refreshing in a way because we're so used to, uh, look, if you if you ever read Robert Jordan, every character that you meet is more fit, more beautiful, more capable than the last, mm -hmm. right? Every time you meet somebody, it's like, oh, man, I thought Nynaeve was beautiful, but, whoa, look at this. Yeah, whatever. Um, and Apparently, so, the Two Rivers is the ugliest place. I know, exactly. <laughs> and it produces nothing but amazing beauties. Um, but in this case, I feel like Kip, what an interesting protagonist because of that, that he's... And I'm sitting here wondering in Chapter 50, like, is that going to be the way he is for the rest of the series. Is he going to be kind of this chubby, awkward guy that happens to, you know, I, of course it's, he's going to turn out to be a, whatever, a Mistborn. What are they called? I don't know. Um, super Chromat. Super. Isn't that just, you can see all the colors. I'm trying to remember because there's being able to see, yeah, there's Super Chromat can see all the different keys. Polychrome. Uh, the polychromes that can do three, whatever. Bichromes, polychromes. Uh, he's Look, a this is our first Lightbringer. Full spectrum polychrome. There you go. That's the word you're looking for. Full it's our, it's our first Lightbringer episode. We will master this as we go. So be patient with us. We're basically going through the exposition chapters. Like, exactly. With this. And, and trying hard to... Like, hey, Ryan, hold up all your notes and rustle them in front of the microphone. No, that's not... <laughs> they're not there. <laughs> they're not there. Okay, yeah, Kip. Sorry, go on with what else you want to talk about with Kip and his awkward fatness. <laughs> Not really the point I want to dwell on too much, um, but the I, I liked at the beginning of this book, we're going through and we get to meet all of his friends and everything in his little town that he's in uh, that's about to be destroyed by the encroaching king. I'm trying to remember what he was actually called, but the, this encroaching king. And by the time we finish with that segment, all of his friends are dead. Mm, yeah. And Baru... Uncle Owen have been fried. <laughs> Everything is... Tashi, Tashi Station is a smoking ruin. There's no power converters anywhere to be found. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is in that process of him trying to escape with a couple people, he ends up getting away with one, but still ends up dying. Um, he uses his powers a couple of times. Right, He's, kind of instinctually. Yeah. And that's something uh, you and I were out running the other day. Yeah, that's that was a new thing. Oh, that happened. <laughs> um, and you you made some comment about being able to like. It felt kind of weird that he was that he was this really bumbling kid, and but able to still use the powers mm -hmm. like that. 
I was curious if you're like how you felt about that. If it still felt like I don't know if that was earned or not, or if it became or if it felt instinctual enough uh, that it didn't cause problems. So at this point, we've gone through the thresher, mm -hmm. uh, and in that scene, there's kind of an explanation that we create incredible amounts of fear because that fear is what drives uh, somebody to draft at their at their peak capability the more scared you are the, and and i i bet this will change at some point it's going to be like well we thought fear was the best emotion for drafting but it turns out it was love or you know something like that will laughter is so much more powerful yeah, than exactly scream. yes <laughs> wait what is that oh monsters Monster inc um exactly so so but we've had this explanation that fear is a great way to bring out someone's latent abilities with drafting and so that's why they send them through the thresher to find out what they can draft and so with that explanation in mind it makes sense that in that early scene he has these uh riders bearing down on him and he kind of freaks out he cowers he ducks down or what i can't remember if he shoots missiles out of his fingers or some something crazy happens and he instinctively um shoots luxon out and, and mangles all these horses and kills all these dudes and but it, it's because he's freaking terrified right mm -hmm. he's seen everybody die and now he's about to die and so i guess now it makes a lot more sense i just had to wait for at least that explanation for that to get there okay yeah that makes sense can i go back to fat kip for just a sec absolutely sweet okay i i did want to just say because we touched on this a little bit um about what an interesting and kind of refreshing protagonist he is uh, because he's not the Robert Jordan, amazing, good-looking, studly, uh, whatever. There's a similar dynamic at play with him and Liv, mm -hmm. Oliviana, who is um, not quite the mirror image because she is apparently, you know, she is perfectly, you know, fine-looking. I don't, I don't know if she's like some gorgeous courtesan type or whatever, but she looks on these other girls in her class with some envy. Mm -hmm. There's, oh, you know, this girl has such a breezy kind of artist's uh, feel to her. And then this other girl is, you know, the short skirts and the, the plunging necklines. And, oh, she's this bombshell who gets everybody's attention. And, and that's just not her. And so we kind of have these two young characters who, you know, if you're a young reader especially, but even somebody who remembers, like myself, who remembers being a young reader, um, it's interesting to have protagonists like that who you can so easily physically identify with and socially identify with mm -hmm. i'm not that good at everything i'm not that good at anything you know sometimes you feel that way mm -hmm. i'm i'm not as good looking as her i don't i don't get everybody's attention you know kind of that that teenage woe is me um and and they both have that and i assume that we're going to follow both of them because we've gotten quite a few live chapters mm -hmm. at this point uh, and so I like them both for that reason. I, I hope that they don't stay static in that place. Like uh, it, it's kind of easy to compare them to Harry Potter, who is this, uh, I've described him as this lump of nothing mm -hmm. that you kind of just shovel your own self into and then go through the stories, which is great. But in that way, Harry Potter never quite, he never becomes an actual character in a way. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have that problem. Right. Okay. So, I guess. Uh, well, you. Thanks for. Thanks for ruining that mystery for me. But. Well, I'm. I don't think you're going to have that problem. <laughs> um, 
I don't, I, I didn't really think a whole lot about Liv um, in this. Uh, you know who her father is, right? Uh, yeah, Liv Danovitz. 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 And so her father is the dude that was in the Red Luxon egg back in the town. And then Katniss Everdeen comes, <laughs> what's her name? Karis. Karis. Karis uh, comes across him and now they're kind of teaming up. Yeah, he's the red something? drafter. I'm trying to see if you. I I yeah, just need to know character wise. Right, what right, you know right. About no, you're him. good. Yeah, yeah. So I know that 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 her father, Liv's father, was the opposition general, general. during okay. the war. General Corvin Danavis. Yes, he was the right hand general for for uh, the for the Dazen. rebels. Uh, yeah. For okay. Dazen. Okay. Gotcha. So her story is also interesting, uh, not because she's at the Chromaria, the you know Hogwarts of this sure. this world, yep. um, for uh, teaching students how to use their drafting abilities, but because of that rift and that civil war that was caused that killed a lot of people and uh-huh. everything, um, she's got a lot of things going against her. One of her father's position, and two is the country that she's from. Right, she's from she's from Tyria. Um, so is Kip, which at this point is no bueno. Yeah, right. It's it's the nobody likes Tyrians. They're they they don't really have a representative in government. Uh, they don't have a lot of things going for them because, well, that things didn't go well in the war. Um, <laughs> right. That's how that that goes. And so she is in the Chromaria, not only having to deal with all these other you know adolescent angsty issues, but also dealing with the political issues of I come from a place that nobody likes. Right. My father was this general. And now here comes Kip, a boy who's a little bit younger than me from my hometown. Who I know was infatuated with me at the time. Yes. And who is apparently the son of the most powerful, the most powerful man, man in, in, yeah. in the world. And now I'm being tasked, you know, everyone's trying, all, all these women want to go to the prison because he's the gorgeous man. He's the Fabio. Right. He's the everything that women want to throw themselves at. Fabio, really? I, I'm i trying to think of romance cover shirt ripper like <laughs> type The character. Bo- bodice ripper. Bodice ripper. Yeah, that's that's the way he is. I'm just thinking you're like 30 years too late to to drop Fabio Okay, that's, in, that's, in that context. For, for those of you who don't know who Fabio is, go look up Fabio gets hit by goose uh, on a roller coaster. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's a real thing. <laughs> to promote a roller coaster's opening, he wrote on it and he got hit in the face with a goose or, or yeah. a bird. Yeah, it's the most glorious thing. Blood, uh, it's great. Anything. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was the weirdest digression we have ever had. I, I just really want, if anyone doesn't know who Fabio is, I really want that to be their first impression of him because it'll be it'll be great. Um, anyway, so, and Liv gets, because of her connection to Kip, gets pulled into the presence of the prism, basically, into his inner circle and says, hey, I need someone to help take care of Kip and walk him through this and... and and this, and I think you're going to be his be, his tutor, his guide through yeah, school, and you're going to be the best option for that. Which now puts her into political targets and social right. targets, everything being that all these women want to be with the prism, and she's getting to be near him, and that's that's sort of there's all that, power. and then yeah, there's some woman trying to get her to spy on the prism, and so she's blackmailing her to do all this stuff, mm-hmm. or blackmailing her. I don't know if that's the right word. Putting a lot of pressure on her, right, to do that. So. Um, yeah, I actually find Liv at, at this point to be a, a really interesting character. And this might just be, I, you know, some psychologist out there listening, I'm sure could dissect why this is, but I tend to gravitate toward the female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed on your four fantasy character 
Like, what was describe it? yourself in four fantasy characters that three oh, of them were yeah, that female. Was, that was more of a joke. But oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's it's one of those jokes with a with a kernel of truth. What mm. was it? It was Egwene, Nynaeve, Moraine, and uh, Mary. Mary. Yeah, Mary Adok. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but I, at this point, kind of wish that I had more live chapters, mm-hmm. uh, and I assume that I'll get more. Maybe not like even. I would, I would assume not even type with, but what? Yeah. Not not even time as Kip, but uh, I'm I'm hoping for some more detail on her, uh, because you know because of what you described. Yeah, she's going through she's going through a lot. Kip is going through arguably even more, having actually experienced the uh, raising of his hometown and the death of his mother in his arms and all this stuff. Um, but in a weird way, he carries less ex- expectation of himself to handle it. That's true. That's what. Well, and he's not trying to handle it yet. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of floating at this point. Um, you know, he is an object and things are happening to him. Gavin is making things happen for him. He's setting things up for him. There's... Which is really apparent in the Thresher sequence in that scene when he will do anything to not fail. Right. Like his whole thing, like, I'm not going to fail. I refuse. I'm not going to pull the rope to the point where he actually throws it out. So Kip is literally so dependent upon this new world that he's thrown in. Like, if I lose this, I have nothing. nothing. My mother is gone. So I can't. So I would rather die than fail this test. Yes. Because I have, I got no place left to go. <laughs> I loved, uh, and this might be not where we were headed with this, but I love the, the, that scene um, in the Thresher because. Not only is it a very exciting and cool way to help understand the beginnings of the magic system mm-hmm. and how they discover things, um, but it really establishes a baseline for Kip as to what is his strong suits as a character going forward. And the one thing that he's done to this point going forward is that he can take a beating. Right. That's his thing. I can, you can beat me up and I, I can take that. That's it. It's good enough for Daredevil. It's good enough for Kim. So I, I love it. The, he sits there. He throws the rope. He actually throws the rope out because in the whole Thresher sequence, if, if by now, if you haven't read it, then wow, what are you yeah. still doing here? Like You pull the rope to end of the test and you fail. Um, and he ends up going... Four minutes, um, 12 seconds. The, was it four minutes, 12? I yes. thought it was just... Four. I just read that. So okay. yeah, I'm confident in that one. But so he ends up going that time, throws out... Which is an incredible time, and everybody's super proud of him. But he would have passed if someone hadn't cheated and given him back the rope. Yes, and put the rope back in the hole. And it's, it's some some woman that was it the yellow or no? It's the green. It's, the um, green. it's That's right. uh, we don't know her name. Tysus. Oh yeah, we do know her name. Tysus. Okay. Tysus Um She throws the rope in. I'm 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 currently stuck at a crossroads here. You know, he didn't fail. He didn't fail. Everyone passes. It's just a matter it's of this, how quickly you fail. Yeah. The only person who ever passed was Gab- Dazen. Dazen, yes. Dazen's Dazen. the only one who ever made it all five all of, minutes or whatever it is. Right, right. Okay, so Dazen's the only one who ever passed. Yeah. So right. he's a sociopath. He's a second. He's kind of just, you know, just almost sociopath. Uh, is that what it is? No. I'm, okay. That's just kind of the way that they, that it's viewed. Oh, Dazen is the as the the crazy brother, the one who who right. destroyed everything. Is the only one who's ever finished this. Oh gosh, I really want this uh, Dazen Gavin thing uh, to 
I, I, I'm not saying I want it to resolve right away. I just need to know more. Uh, I, um, my biggest frustration in my first read through, and we touched on this a little bit, was the fact that Gavin in the book, whenever you read the name Gavin, like 95% of the time, it's, it's referring to Dazen as Gavin. Right. Even after the big reveal, he doesn't right. go back to calling him Dazen or anything. He just he still calls him Gavin in the narration. Right. Because this is that's kind of the point is that he has so embodied his brother and taken over his life that even he refers to himself as Gavin in his head as much as possible. So in the sequences where he's talking to his brother down in the Blue Lux in prison, like. There's a few moments where I'm like, okay, hold on. I got to make sure I know exactly who's talking to who here. But I actually really appreciate that as a, as a stroke of good writing there in the sense that this is his mentality and that he, like, he would even he even calls himself Gavin. I mean, it's it is right. 100% yeah. stuck in there. Not to the point where he's lost knowledge of who he was, but that he just naturally refers to himself and deals as Gavin would. Right. Yep. Very interested to see where that goes. I want... The real Gavin to break out of prison and figure out because and and it gets even worse because he in order to stay sane or in order to get back at Dazen who is now living as Gavin the real Gavin has decided that he is going to take over Dazen's life mm-hmm. so he refers to himself as Dazen in the prison so, and it's all just so messy uh, and it's I can imagine Brent Weeks sitting at his computer typing all this out and try, trying to outline everything mm-hmm. and having many a day where he just stares at his screen thinking to himself, how in the hell am I going to communicate this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to solve that puzzle. And I think um, I think it's an amazing kind of twisty, turny concept that he's come up with. And he's done the best that he can with explaining it. But ultimately, that is a really, really tough thing to try to explain. Ryan, I want to move on to some uh, Discord comments. But it looks like you have one more thing to go over before we do that. Well, I wanted to ask you, we, we've touched on Kip. We've touched on uh, Gavin Dazen, uh, a little bit with Liv and Kairos. But who's the villain in this story? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, so the villain is... King Garadul. Okay. King Garadul. Or uh, as the audiobook narrator calls him, King Haradul. Right. So so he is setting up some sort of anti-Chromeria. He is uh, rebelling. He, he used to be a satrap, but now he's calling himself a king, indicating that he's trying to break away from the Chromeria or whatever. The, right. This know, is what we're... So. This is the the outside villain that is pushing everything from the outside of our Kip story right. and Gavin's story here. And the the problem with that, is, like you said, that's our outside villain, but it's, I'm tempted to say that Dazen, the new Gavin, whatever, is our villain. But the problem is that he has so taken over the Gavin persona that it's apparent that he is he has become a much better and much more honorable person than apparently he was when he was the false prism 
or you know, a- according to what I know of the story now, Cash, I can see. You I, I'm trying really hard not to give any facial cues as to <laughs> rightness, wrongness, right, right, tracks, right. and so yeah, it looks like Gavin was this uh, was kind of a, a like a great guy, and so in order to impersonate him, Dazen becomes a great guy and is you know very honor bound and duty bound and he's always trying to do the right thing by everybody and all this stuff and so mm-hmm. so on the one hand i'm like oh yeah that guy's totally a villain because he imprisoned his brother and took over his life but on the other hand he's he just adopted his brother's son basically r- exactly he he does all that everybody talks about how he's the best prism we've had uh, in generations mm-hmm. and so that's kind of confusing and so it's hard for me to say right now that oh yeah there's another villain he takes care of the world he balances out the the colors when they get out of whack a little bit right things like that. and so we also have some antagonism going on with uh, whatever the woman's name is who's trying to um bully live into spying for her mm-hmm. uh, but in that case that feels just more like um kind of regular machinations political machinations it doesn't sound like oh there's our central villain right um, so yep, yeah, I'm going with King Garadul. Okay, is that all right? That that's fine. It's and he he's done that, and he has he is using drafters uh, as part of his army to fight. Um, and has he been using whites? No. Okay. I don't even know if that really is yet, honestly. So okay, somebody who drafted too much and kind of went crazy. Yes. Is that okay? All right. Um, let's can we do some Discord comments? That's fine. Okay, so normally we would do these on Reddit, but since this was so last minute, I got some uh, real-time feedback from the folks on Discord. So if you haven't joined that community, consider it. Uh, and thanks to those who helped us out here. So let's start with Armorhide. He was the first one to get back. And he says, are you guys getting a Green Lantern feel from the magic system as well, or is that just me? Kind of. I don't know what that means, honestly. So, I mean, I, if I am understanding this correctly, Green Lantern, his powers basically, it's this idea of uh, you will something into being and it creates this green, because he's Green Lantern, Right. Um, it kind of takes a physical form in this green power energy. Okay. So there's, right. a, there's a physical form to it. So I would say, yes, you can kind of say, I kind of get that. Um, and yes, uh, the magic system is based on will and light and things like that. So I, I can see it. But I wouldn't quite, based on recent Green Lantern stuff, I would not right. say quite as cheesy. Okay, all right. Uh, so Hurin fan says, any theories about why there are two prisms? Um, I have, I I have the skeleton of a theory that mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't put any skin and bones on, or haven't put any whatever. I cannot give a theory on. on this. No, I can't give. A oh, theory. just because you would spoil it. I uh, so I think. The key here is in the name of the book, The Black Prism, right? And so there's this, uh, we have this idea of a prism and a prism refracts light into the spectrum, right? And so what it's doing when we see it is, you know, in the real world, we have a prism and it's refracting white light, sunlight. Uh, It's taking white light and splitting it into the full spectrum. Uh, But what if you could do that with a black spectrum uh you know like a, a black prism mm-hmm. there you go and so it's going to be something to do with it's not just it's not that they are the same thing it's that they're opposites um and 
but their but their powers are so close as to be indistinguishable from the outside somehow. So that that's uh, there you go. Jafu asked, asked us for more predictions. There's one of mine. Okay. So I don't know if I'm barking up the wrong. I'm I'm now I'm watching your facial expressions. You're really trying closely. to read something here, <laughs> and I'm literally exercising every acting muscle in my face to just give you a a generic something. <laughs> uh-huh. So good guess, Craig. Okay, great. Um, okay. Get back to the feeling of wait till book three. We... <laughs> uh, Jafu asked thoughts on the magic system so far. I think we've talked about that a little bit. There's a lot more to learn. Uh, the, we've we've kind of just gone through the thresher, and so it's not confirmed yet that uh, Kip is a color mistborn, but uh, I, I don't really know what it's called. So that's what I'm going it's with. It's shorter than whatever full spectrum polychrome. polychrome. So it's not confirmed yet, but it kind of sounds like that's going to be the case. Um, comparison with Night Angel, I think we covered this a little bit up top. Maybe we talk about it more as the series goes on. I think that's like we can have a, a brief discussion about it here. I think it'll be better suited for a little further down the road. Um, already, though, I will tell you that the tones of these two series from the get go are different. Yeah, wildly different. Wildly different. Um, this does not have the dirt and grit feel uh, that we start with in Night Angel. We're not dealing with even though it's still a poor child, bastard setup, you know, now orphan, right? Almost type thing. Um, this is hey, look. If as long as we're doing the the Sanderson comparison, um, this is the Stormlight to Night Angels Mistborn. Uh, I yes, I I agree with the. Just I'm just talking the, about the, tonal differences yeah. and kind of the settings being different and the the. The, the grim, dark, grimy yes. feel, right? Yeah. Versus the kind of high fantasy feel. Um, okay, so thoughts on the main characters. We've gone through that. Um, Weeks has some pretty good humor. Funniest moments so far. Have you, uh, in the first half of the book, do you remember any funny moments? In the early part, uh, throughout the entire series, but especially in the early parts of this book, Kip is so self-deprecating, but he does it in a very comedic way often that it makes it so you don't always just feel pity for him yeah like it's it's usually a moment of uh him saying something yeah i'm fat but then he succeeds at something because he's right just, right right he takes the beating he does whatever like it's pretty funny so in chapter 50 so this is the last thing that i read he survives an assassination attempt yes <laughs> uh, and this woman tries to kill him and he ends up th- kind of throwing her over or she uh, uh sorry Liv shows up and and explodes some yellow luxon in her face and so she uh falls over the balcony and she's hanging there and she's she and kip's like oh can i save her and he's like oh i'm way too fat for that like if i (laughs) if i try to grab her there's i'm not coming back up from that and so she tries to haul herself up doesn't quite succeed and starts yelling these uh i don't know if they're obscenities or curses at him right Mm -hmm. uh you know May your father die from a thousand goat licks or whatever. I don't know what she's saying, um, but she's halfway through her third one and he punches her in the face and she falls <laughs> off, which I thought was great. I thought that was great. And then um, Liv, she's like, oh my gosh, we just murdered somebody. And she goes and like looks over the edge of the balcony and then pukes mm-hmm. and the puke mist goes in <laughs> Kip's mouth. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was pretty good. That was uh, that was a nice moment. Oh yeah, uh, uh, that made me laugh. Of humor, uh, but oh, sorry. Back to your the idea of him being self-deprecating. Um, 
there is one thing that I really identify with, um, and one reason why Kip is not the same kind of Harry Potter lump of nothing. Uh, he is a character, and one of the things that he does that I identify with personally, that I'm sure not everybody could, is, in fact, I was just telling my brother this as we were hiking earlier this week, that I have this problem where for a lot of people, it's like, when in doubt, just don't say anything. When in doubt, keep your head down. Mm-hmm. When in doubt, just just go on with your life, right? For me, it's when in doubt, go for the laugh. Yeah. Whatever the case is. And so, like, we we're, were at the bottom of this canyon hiking, and there's this little river, and I found this weird kind of pocket. It's this, like, four foot by four foot pocket of water that's five feet deep. And so, I, and so everybody's kind of hiking through, and they're just admiring the scenery. And I'm like, I have nothing to do. Or, and they're all snapping these beautiful photos. And I'm like, I'm no photographer. So I hopped in the pool and did that Instagram pose where, you know, kind of fling my hair back and, mm-hmm. and I'm going for the laugh, right? That's And Kip is the same way where it's like, I don't know how to deal with a situation. And so I'm going to go for the laugh. Mm-hmm. And so when he talks to Liv, even though he's got this major crush on her, uh, he's he's not tongue-tied necessarily it's that he can't shut up yeah he should shut up and he knows he should shut up and again i identify with this i just i never shut up uh so yeah i get it i get it (laughs) i appreciate it and there's and it's a lot of those moments it's especially when you're in kip's head uh interacting with people where that comedy becomes very apparent in his interactions just because he's awkward there's not a lot of overly comedic uh, setups in this, like right. you know, right? People cracking jokes or whatever. It's one hundred percent personality-based humor, right? So, uh, last thing from Jafu is, uh, let's see. Oh, he says, oh, and please break down what the skimmer looks like because I listened at least three times. It could never really visualize what's going on. So the skimmer is this. It's a boat that goes really fast. And well. And in fact, right under that, uh, XC Black Diamond says, LOL, the, sh- the skimmer could have skipped all those pages by saying, a boat ran by drafting. All you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fast. And he came up with it. I, uh, or I pretty uh, Gavin, much, Gavin came up with it. I visualize it like, and this this is probably wrong. Brent Weeks probably would listen to my description and go, how the hell did you get to that? Right. I envision the a raft with a jet ski engine on the bottom nice. of it, like yes, two I love jet it. ski things on the back yep. that just shoot water out of it so that it propels forward. Like that's nice. how I visualize the the skimmer. Like a like a log raft from the Legend like of Zelda. Straight up Huck Finn okay, driving a, you with, know, a with ski jet do. skis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's okay. There's your movie. Or excuse me, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're going to Hollywood to sell something. Huck Finn, the the river pirate with ski doos, <laughs> love it. Uh, okay, and what else do we want to do? Kip Tan asks the most awkward moment so far. The um, most awkward moment for? I mean, I just I just described the balcony scene. It doesn't get much more awkward than vomit in the mouth. So <laughs> uh, vomit mist post post mur- post punching an old woman in the face right to her death. Gosh, that was a great scene. <laughs> I love. I'm sorry that that scene, in all seriousness, though, it sets a great moral compass for Kip as well, in the sense that, like, that he'll punch an old lady in the face if she's trying to kill him. <laughs> yeah, there's a line like most characters, you know, Randall Thor is like, I, I could never kill Lanfear, even though she's the most evil person of all time, and Kip would totally just punch, punch her, her in the, the face. face. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, okay, and then Kiptan also says, I'd really like to make you, I really like you guys to make predictions again. I think we've covered predictions at this point. Uh, I, I can't make predictions. Right, you can't do it. I've done it and will continue to do that through future once we, episodes. Once we get to the, um, I think it's the Blood Mirror is the last one before Burning White. Sure. When we get to the last written yes. book, then I can make predictions going into the Burning White. Right. And so, okay, I think it's safe for us to start wrapping up this episode since it's been almost an hour. You know, when we were doing our Lord of the Rings episodes, it was like 35 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that ended. <laughs> there was also the whole getting used to hearing our own voices in our heads. Right. Uh, and hearing each other's voices in our heads. Yeah. Ugh, still not used to that. Um, no, but uh, I should say... <clears throat> as we go through these episodes um they're going to come for us they're going to come fast and furious they they may not be released on the for you same... they're going to be Hobbs and Shaw <laughs> oh gosh for you guys You're welcome. they're going to be um you know kind of on that regular weekly ish release schedule as we trade back and forth with blue team um but we're trying to catch up i'm trying to catch up to the blood mirror so that we can uh, be ready to record stuff for the burning white uh when that comes out on october 22nd i want to say that sounds about right so yeah anyway so yeah we're going to be really flying through this that's part of why it's going to be mostly me and ryan through the series i would imagine uh, we'll see who else we can get to pop in during this but uh it's just going to be a lot easier if it's just the two of us to schedule and read and all that stuff so Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, again, make sure that you visit us, patreon.com slash legendarium. If you want to support the show, uh, thelegendarium.reddit.com to join this conversation about this episode. Uh, and if you want to get in on dis uh, on the pre-discussion for future episodes, it's going to be much easier to do that on Discord, uh, where we have more of a, a live chat feel going on there than I can get through um, then I can get through Reddit or Facebook or wherever else, Twitter. So uh, anyway, thanks for everybody's contributions today. And we will see you for chapters 51 through 95 next time. Ryan, see you later.